Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. Hey, the music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Drew Holcomb. Make sure you check out his new album, Dragons. I have the vinyl and it is spinning at my house. I'm like loving it so much. So make sure you get a copy of that. Today on the show, I'm so excited about this, you guys. We have had just a tiny bit of an influx, meaning one other person, from Food Network on our show lately. And today we have New York Times bestselling author, cookbook writer, and Food Network star winner, Melissa D. Arabian. She also, if you remember, Food Network had a show called $10 Dinners, and that was her. And I loved that show. She has a new book out this week called Tasting Grace. And for those of you who've been around a while, you know that my relationship with food can be beautiful and complicated. And and so when someone writes a book like Tasting Grace, all about God and food and and the connections there, I'm just about it. And then it's also a Food Network person that I adore. I'm so excited. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with my new friend and author of Tasting Grace, Melissa D. Arabian. The part I haven't told you yet, Melissa, is I'm kind of a super fan. You know this about me already. I like loved watching you on Food Network. I think you're so fun to watch. Okay, was your first show, was the first thing you did Food Network Star? Yes. Yes. Because in my brain, I thought I remembered you because I said to Jenna before you got here, I was like, she's kind of Food Network OG. Like you've been around Food Network for a, a while. For 10 years. It yeah. actually was 10 years ago this week that I uh, that my winning was aired on Food Network. Ah, okay. So yeah, so it's, it's now I can say it's been a decade. Yeah, you've been a winner for a decade. That feels like, well, I've been a winner <laughs> since since day one since in the eyes of the Since day one. But um, <laughs> in the eyes of America, it's right. only been a decade. That's right. Um, we just had Corey Baird on who won the Food Network Spring Baking Spring Championship. Spring Baking, okay, uh-huh. He was awesome. Was he? Also, oh, I've got I've got big shoes to fill. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. You brought your own shoes. We're already, we're thrilled about it. But I, what I was going to say is what I loved about him is he, and what I loved learning was that like you win months before you get to tell anybody. Oh, months before. And 10 years ago, it was a whole different. Yeah. You write about that in the book. Yeah. It was a a whole different. I'm like, wait, what? You read the book? Like I wonder, like people have a podcast, like, do you have to read all of those? (laughs) Like I I think I would like hand it off to someone and say, just tell me five or 10 key points. Um, No, no, no. Here's the fun thing is that my, the, our listeners know that nobody's on the show that I'm not friends with or want to be friends with. And so it's never a trial to, to know who you are and to read your product and read your books and all things. So Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's different than it was. Well, yeah, it's different now. I mean, back then that was sort of the reality TV was different back then and it was sort of new and it was really a reality TV show. So right. Because they were filming in the house. Yeah. Us living in the house was kind of part of the gig. So it was it was just a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you know you had won before you were allowed to tell anybody? I knew I had won. Um, and I had filmed the first season of $10 Dinners mm-hmm. um, for maybe four or five months. Oh, my gosh. Before 
um, I won on it was aired on, on, yeah on camera. So back then it was much earlier. It was it just there was a longer yeah period. Uh, in fact, when I filmed Ten Dollar Dinners the first season, when I was in New York filming it, I had to wear a disguise. I was wearing a wig and sunglasses the whole time I was in New York. Oh like so I'd be in elevators, like going up at Chelsea Market, like completely disguised. Would that make people do that now? Probably not. I right? don't think so. That feels like a I lot think, in New York. It's yeah, like no, it, Melissa can be in New York and not have one Food Network star. You know, um, but the truth is also at that point, Food Network star hadn't even started airing. Ah, okay. so I mean, it was. I didn't know because that was that was like in April, yeah. And Food Network star started airing in June, okay. so they had announced the cast, but I wasn't even on TV yet. Oh so it, but it was just a very different. And you had already filmed the start of oh, yeah. Ten Dollar Dinner. I, I already filmed the whole $10 season. Dinner so much. Me too. I love Ten Dollar Dinner. Such a fun idea. And you, I, I, I always thought no, it's the same as Rachel Ray. No way can she cook this in thirty minutes. And I'd be like, no way is Melissa going to only spend $10. And I was like, well, she did it. Well, she and actually I, did it. Well, I will tell you about t- $10 dinners is really in my heart because um, I I shot that show really from my heart. Yeah. And I took those did prices. Did you take the idea to them? Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was a two-way thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I will say this. The title was Food Network's idea and insistence. I had a different uh-huh. title in mind and uh-huh. I fought and lost. Yeah. Um, and they and they ended up being right. So thank you, Food Network. Um, but uh, but this is my background. You know, yeah. I really believe that we can all dig into what is truly our background and bring that to share at the table, whether that be a Food Network table or a figurative table or a real table. And I grew up with very little money. And I grew up with a mom who stretched a dollar. So um, so wanting to share strategies for feeding our families on a budget was something that was very important to me. And, and I felt deeply. So when we, when we priced out all of the episodes, um, if we were eight cents over, I would kind of let that go. But um, yeah. but I mean I I was like no no I want to see our Excel spreadsheet model and I want to run the numbers myself and I, I we priced out every single recipe and we did it by calling three different grocery stores across the nation. Now that part I didn't do. There was an intern who did that. Yeah. But but my point is if so we were at, you could really say if people, we were at like, ten fifty eight where you live yeah ten fifty eight we 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 went back to the drawing board and I, I changed wow. my recipes and I I really wanted people. To great, have these recipes, but more than that, you know, if we're making fish, I, yeah, it's great if they use my recipe and download it and use it. That's great. But I really want them to learn what are the strategies for cooking fish on a budget and like how do you source that? How do you buy that? Where do you buy it? Where, you know, what's the best way to do that? Right. I want people to see their grocery store bill go down in general, um, not just use my inexpensive recipe. It's, sure. it's about a bigger story than that. Yeah. So $10 dinners is a um, really heartfelt show to me and one that was rooted in stewardship. It really was never about go buy, you know, ramen and eat it because it's right. cheap. It right. was never about that. It was really about 
leaning into seasonality and um, and understanding the grocery store sales cycle yeah. and being good stewards of our financial resources, but also our earth's resources mm-hmm. in leaning into God's seasonality. So um, $10 dinners, it's a catchy title and it's budget and it's a great promise that invites people in, but it's about so much more than that to yeah. me. That is amazing. What, were you a believer before you started working on the show and before you're doing Food Network? Yes. The short answer to that is yes. I think that what has been, I now realize in 50 years of looking back on my life, a gift is that I, I, I don't ever remember a moment where I didn't believe in God. Mm. I, I don't ever remember a moment. Um, now, if I were to sort of look over my life and say, were there, um, were there moments where my faith was strengthened and changed and deepened, absolutely. Um, and in fact, I talk a little bit about that in Tasting Grace, how um, you know different points in my life led to different struggles and in, in mm-hmm. moments of, um, of faith waning and also faith deepening. But luckily, I, I was blessed with um, just always believing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think I think that really comes down to the gift of feeling in my gut, even when I was too young to express this, of feeling like faith and doubt can coexist. Mm. And just because I have, have doubt doesn't mean my faith goes away. And in fact, faith you is... You felt that as a kid. You knew yeah, that was okay to have it, both. In, in, in intuitively, like wow. just as a gift, uh, just as a gift. And again, I couldn't express that. But the fact that I have always doubted, poked holes, wondered, sometimes thought, like there was like a phase where I thought I was like, is like Jesus just like an imaginary friend like I had growing up? You know, like what if Jesus is an imaginary friend? You know, like how I had an imaginary friend named Shape and and I (laughs) had another one named Puff Rubber Baby. What if it's Puff Rubber Baby, Shape, and Jesus? And they're all imaginary friends that I'm just walking around pretending, you know, and the fact that I've been comfortable with that musing um, but not having let go of my faith is, mm. I realize, just a gift. Mm. Um, and I don't know how else to express that. So to answer your question, yes, yeah. I was I was um, a believer and a Christian before Food Network Star. Thank goodness yeah. for me. Um, I will tell you this. I, I would not have gotten through Food Network Star without God. Uh, there, there's no way I would have. Really? Um, just there's the stress just no that. way I would have. And it, it um, Food Network Star actually brought me closer to God mm-hmm. because you're left there without, and again, 10 years ago, it was a little bit different. I don't know what all the rules are now, but it was a little bit different in that there was no, I mean, you couldn't have any books or any anything, any, your phone, all of that for seven weeks. I mean, just in your living in this no house. No books. No books, no oh. magazines, no TV. Nothing, nothing. Um, as a side note, I remember this is how seriously they took it. It was I was at Food Network Star during the inauguration mm-hmm. of Obama, mm-hmm. which was a very historic moment. Yeah, right. We were we were not allowed to watch that on TV. Wow, that's how seriously they took the no TV policy. So I say that not as a way of complaining, but to say it was a very isolating experience. Mm-hmm. They just wanted you with the competitors, and again, we were filmed all the time in the house, right? Because that was part of the part of the the show back then. So if I had not had God to lean on during yeah. that time yeah. and th- during that stress, um, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Uh, 
I wouldn't have done as, you know, well, I don't mean winning. I mean, just emotionally. You know, the good news is that when you take away everything that you're used to leaning on in life, like your family, your friends, your, you know, books or whatever, you know, you can always turn inward to God. And they wouldn't even let you have a Bible. Um, I don't believe we were yeah. allowed to have a Bible. And and to be clear, it was not, you were not allowed to have the Bible, but you're allowed to have other stuff. Sure, I just sure, don't sure. think you were allowed to have any yeah. any books at all. Crazy. And I think Bibles were not an exception. Um, wow. I, I don't believe so. I, I recall having my, um, my journal. We were allowed to write things. Uh-huh. So I would write... You know, yeah, prayers like, remember and that recipe. <laughs> well, and I would write down like ideas and whatever. Yeah. You weren't allowed to have any of your recipes with you or anything. But I remember that journal and being able to put in there my prayers, my um, you know, my my thoughts to God. I could write out scripture that I had memorized. Yeah. So it was a very um, very inward facing time, even though it's crazy because like you're on camera and all of this. Yeah. But it was it was a lot of alone time between me and God because that was that was sort of a noisy, crazy place to be. Yeah. So yes, thank goodness for me I had my faith. I, I don't think that I would have enjoyed that yeah. that period as much as I did. I actually really I found that I found that period um, while difficult and stressful, also very transformative and redemptive, not in the win, but in the experience. Yeah. So I um, I loved my time on Food Network Star. I really did. Um, it was it was a special time, and I came out of Food Network Star a different person um, in terms of my relationship with God and the deepening mm. of that relationship. And um, I talk a little bit about it in, in Tasting Grace, that when we had those challenges, uh, going in and just facing those ingredients without any prep time, without any recipes, without any time to think. I just found God in the ingredients. Mm. And so leaning into the the prayer that um, that cooking can be if we're leaning into God's ingredients, yeah. um, that was that was my experience. And yeah, talk more about that. Corey said, Cooking, because a lot of people say food is medicine. Mm -hmm, And Corey mm -hmm. said, but I would say cooking is medicine. Hmm. And so tell me what you mean when you say that cooking is prayer. I think for me, one of the gifts of Food Network Star, but also just one of the greater gifts of cooking in general, is that we can take these ingredients that, that we see God's fingerprints on and we get, we get to continue that creation mm. when we cook. So we we get to step up to the palette that God has laid out for us and continue his work, continue his masterpiece. And I think there's something very um, poetic about us continuing God's creation in ingredients mm. that mimics what we're told as Christians that we're doing, right, continuing the work of Jesus, continuing wow. God's love here on earth. And um, Norm Worsba, who's a theologian who um, at Duke, he talks about how food is God's love made delicious. Mm. And I love that. That's it's beautiful. God's love made delicious. So we can take that food and add to the, the work 
and the creation and the beauty that God gave us. So cooking really is, it really is a kind of prayer and worship mm-hmm. um, and an opportunity to connect into God. If I just step back enough to give the food that space. Um, and that was the challenge for me on Food Network Star is right. You got the cameras, you got ah, right. let's go, go, go. Okay, go up, you know, harm, you know, arms up, whatever, yeah. hands down, whatever. And to just stop and sort of say, okay, God, it's you and me and these ingredients. Whatever happens with the competition is sort of none of my business. Yeah. Um, but it's you and me and these ingredients, and I'm here to continue the creation. Yeah. Um, and we are all creators, right? Whether it be with food or, you know, whatever. Um, so continuing the creation was really a big gift of a Food Network star for me. I think one of the things I love about your, well, let's say this. There are a lot of people listening, and I am probably the president of them, that have some real issues with food. Mm-hmm. And like relationship with food and what food has been and hasn't been. I have PCOS, and so my body mm-hmm. handles food really weirdly mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. I'm allergic to dairy. I don't eat a lot of gluten. I, I mean, I just am a weirdo when it comes to food. And also there's the emotional thing with food that is really hard for me. And so I've been thrilled to have you on and talk about Tasting Grace because I feel like you have such a um, beautiful understanding and balance of, and you talk so much about your own, like, when food was off balance for you mm-hmm. and when food has not been. So so talk a little bit about how that's happened with food and why has why has the enemy tried to steal the beauty of food from us? Oh, oh there's settle in. We're here for yes. three hours. Okay, good. Um, okay, so first of all, let me just let me just bust the myth that um, that I'm in this balanced place. Oh, I had this sort <laughs> right. of struggle in question. I, um, you know, I brooded about it in the scripture for a couple of years, which I did do, mm-hmm. um, and now it's fixed and good. So let me tell you what I did to fix it. Let's let's just in right. case fixed, anybody's hearing is. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's bust that myth. Um, but what I think is so exciting to me is when I when I talk with you and 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 people like us, right? I'm hearing I'm hearing Melissa, you're not alone. Mm. So I love that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, but I'm also hearing we are not alone. And so we need to talk about this. Right. So that's what I'm hearing. Right. And because um, everybody thinks everybody else yes. is balanced in, with their relationship exactly. with food. Exactly. And I don't know anybody who doesn't have a weird feeling about no. food. And there's food is complicated because mm. we all need it. Um, and yet we also all want it. And, and you can't cold turkey it. And it, you, yeah, right. You can't just step away from you, you know from food and just right. not eat food. <laughs> right. We have to learn to navigate to eat food with um you know in in the right and I'm putting air quotes but no one can see it except you um in the right way, mm-hmm. right or in a way that feels good that feels honoring that you know what for for a lack of any better way of saying it that that we feel like God wants us to um, to have food in our lives and to sort of right-size that relationship. Yeah. Um, and that's what led me to writing Tasting Grace because I felt so off balance in a lot of ways. Really? As, a, as a child who didn't have enough food, there's part of me that wants to, anytime I see food, like I, I want to, I, my instinct is, 
to load up at the buffet or whatever. There's yeah. food available. Because you're, what if you, I'm, yeah. What, yeah, I may not always be available. Yeah. So there's that part of me. Then, you know, as women, we're in society that, you know, that we have all of these ads that sort of say, essentially, if you eat, you know, sugar and chemicals, you'll be happy and be this wonderful person. And then we are also told by society that if we do eat sugar or we do eat a piece of pie, that we need to go work it off at the gym. Yes. That, okay, now exercise, let's throw that in as punishment for food. I love how so, you write about that, about the balance of exercise and food, that we treat them like a seesaw and they can just both be true. <laughs> they, they can just both be true and yeah. they can both be good. Yeah. Um, so there are there are lots of ways in which food can be tricky for us. We then feel guilty because we're not making meals at, you know, six o'clock for our families. But then we feel, yeah, there's guilt culture feeds into that. Yeah. And, um, and I love... I love it when Jan Hatmaker yeah. uh, says whenever she thinks about like buying something or she's getting an advertisement, she thinks to herself, who is making money off of this? Mm. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing if I'm yeah, getting yeah. it wrong. But I, I love that sort of, we need to sort of step back and say, who is making money off of this? Of making and, me feel this way. Of making who me feel this way. Who is making yeah, right. money off of me feeling this yes. way? Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned something which is so powerful and important, and that is that the enemy is at work here. Right. And the simple truth is that Satan does his best work in half-truths. Mm. He does his best work in half-truths. And in the food space, those half-truths, we are so primed and ready to take in those half-truths. So for instance, in the world of exercise and eating well, yes, we are meant to exercise. We are not meant to be gluttons and overeat and eat mm -hmm. tons and tons of food, mm -hmm. and we are meant to exercise. That's that's the truth, right? The half-truth is, and the, what, what, what Satan loves to do is take that little tiny negative truth and wrap a big fat lie around it mm. and turn it into skinny is good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, working out will absolve you from the guilt of you eating yes. a piece of pie yes. or whatever. So it's, it's these half-truths that we think we're in the gym because we're, you know, that's good to do, right? It's good to be healthy. But the tricky part is, the slippery slope is that if we're honest, are we in the gym because we feel guilty about what we ate yesterday or we're trying to quote unquote earn mm -hmm. our, our lunch today? Right. Or are we in the gym because we're actually really just trying to get skinny for a bikini or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I'm quoting myself mm -hmm. my own head. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what is tricky about food is it's, it's, it's an area that's so full of half-truths that we can buy into and it's complicated and messy and emotional and and then guess what we're in the middle of this emotional mess and lunch comes and we got to eat again yeah. and we don't even have time to step back and figure it out right. and that's what tasting grace was for me i said you know something something is not right with this and i need to figure it out because um because I'm not, I'm not living God's best for me when it comes to food. Yeah. Like I, I, there was just sort of no other way to say it. God's best for me did not include the way I was thinking and feeling mm -hmm. about food, and not in in big, huge, crazy ways, but in those small, insidious ways that society cosigns mm -hmm. and actually encourages me. To, Makes money off to, of yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. So it was a very. Um, it was a set of subtle 
uh, half-truths mm-hmm. that I noticed in my life of food that I could not reconcile on my own. And yeah. I thought, if I'm having a hard time with this, maybe someone else is too. Yeah. So that's when I, I, I mean, I spent several years in, in early morning prayer, devotional, tears, um, you know, feeling good, feeling not good, up, down, around, um, all of that, yeah. all of that, yeah. and then wrote about it. Yeah. Um, and and I would love to say that then the answer is, okay, you wrote about it, and now now you're sort of good to go. <laughs> right. You know, food that is has never slippery, been true for me. It's a, it's a slippery <laughs> place, isn't it? Yeah. So for me, it is... It, it really is a daily reprieve, and, mm. and it only comes from staying really super close to God. That's, mm. that's, and that's probably true, I would say, for me in life. Yeah. Maybe there are some people who can get really close to God and then bank it up, and then they're good for mm-hmm. three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's not my experience. Mm. For me, it's a daily reprieve in everything that I do. Yeah, I find this conversation is so much easier for me with someone who loves cooking and loves food versus someone who like runs a gym. Cause I'm always like, yeah, we're going to have to eat. You've got to tell me how to do this. I can't not now. I don't have to go to a gym. I can go to walk at a trails at Radnor Lake. I can do all sorts of other things, but you and I are on the same page that I have to eat. I don't have a choice. That's right. That's right. And so we have to face this complicated thing. It is. It's complicated. Now there's also some good news here. The good news is that when I turn to God for information about what he's saying about food, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of good news. Yeah. And there's a lot of God using food to bring us closer to him. So the good news is, is that when I'm kind of parsing out all these sort of messages in life, the ones that are coming from society are the ones that make me feel bad. Mm. The ones that are coming from God don't make me feel bad. Yeah, how do you tell the difference? So, um, well, yeah, so that, well, that's a, that's a very big question <laughs> yeah. in general, we right? We love to what's, ask, how, do, society, how do you hear God, God around here? And so right, I'd yeah. love to hear your thoughts on that. How, how do we know if it's God? How do we know if it's us, yeah, right? And, yeah. and, and that comes down to discernment, which mm. is sort of tricky business, right? Um, for me, ev- everyone has to figure out what of their voices is God's voice, what of their voice is, you know, what of their voices in their head is their own voice. Yeah. So that's sort of that bigger question. But for me, discerning God's voice on food versus society's voice on food, it, my ability to discern is proportional to how much time per day I'm spending in devotional, mm. in prayer, and in time with God. And and I, I wish I could have a better way of saying, listen, well, this is what God's voice sounds like, and this is what society's voice sounds like. But the reality is, it's for me, it's about training myself in discernment. Mm-hmm. And training in discernment comes from daily devotional, prayer, and reading God's Word. The more I do that, the better able I am to discern. And that's why it's a daily reprieve, is because unfortunately, my discerning, my discernment, it goes away pretty quickly if I, if, the if further it's I, just you. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I, I'm telling you, because I'm telling you, I am, I'm, 
I'm good at fooling myself. Yeah. I really am. So it's really no secret that if I let my morning devotional time go, it's only a matter of a couple of days until my mind starts telling me things that are negative, not just in the food space, but in, you know, self-esteem, in wanting to do things in life. Like, I mean, everything. Like, for me, there's just, there's no secret. Mm -hmm. The number one best daily habit that I can have more than what I eat, more than, you know, exercise, all those, those are great ways for me to, you know, feel better. The number one habit for me is my daily morning devotional time. And if it goes away after a few days, not only do I feel it, but people around me can feel it. Oh, I say that a lot. Jenna knows when I'm not (laughs) connected with the Lord. Yeah. Yes. Because she has to sit in an office with me all day. She knows. Yes, and 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 I will say this that in terms of the food messages, now yeah. food messages are coming, you know, at us. Well, which ones are from God and which ones aren't? Well, I will say this: if you're just sort of trying to, you know, get sort of a, um, you know, a litmus test, you know, um, I will say this: in general, um, the mess food messages coming from God are ones that bring people together, mm. that bring me closer to God, to my original purpose, to um, they take me back to who I was in Genesis 1, you know, the 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 worker that Adam and Eve, they were meant to be yeah. intending the garden, yeah. the creator we were created to be. So when I feel like I'm drawn closer in to God um, and to who Jesus was with food, into bringing people together, then chances are that is probably more a message from God. If it's a message that is more separating, and if I think um, and marinate in in something um, long enough, I can get a sense for whether something is more separating than bringing together. So if I say to you, as I used to, I I would say this on, on Food Network all the time, you know, oh, impress your friends with this, you know, with this easy recipe. Impressing our friends is that a message of separation or one of unification? It's really separation, isn't mm-hmm. it? Right? Mm-hmm. Impressing means put yourself up on a pedestal. It's a small pedestal. I get it. We're right. talking about chicken piccata. Like right. we're not, you know, I get it. There are limits to how much a chicken piccata dish can separate you from your family and friends. But if the intention is impressing, that's separating. Yeah. So really looking at is this separating or bringing people together mm-hmm. and bringing me closer to God? That is probably my the best litmus. If you're yeah. looking for a quick take answer, that would be it. Yeah. But it really comes down to that deep discernment. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Melissa to keep talking about food and talk about Prep Dish. You guys know I love Prep Dish. I love Allison that runs it. Prep Dish is my new secret weapon for healthy, stress-free meals. Prep Dish is a meal planning service and every week you get an email with a grocery list and prep ahead instructions so all your meals are ready for the week. No guesswork needed. You'll do your chopping and mixing ahead of time leaving you with like zero decisions to be made at dinner. If you have a crazy schedule, this is such a good time saver, whether it's you or your family or whoever. You'll feel like a super mom or a super friend or a super wife or a super husband because dudes cook too. Um, You're going to feel like a super human when you serve these amazingly delicious meals like 
like their turkey and zucchini lasagna that I love. The founder, Allison, who we love around here, is offering my friends a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. So check out prepdish.com slash Annie for this amazing deal. Prepdish has gluten-free, paleo, and keto options too. So if that matters to you, this is a great place to go look. So again, go to prepdish.com slash Annie for your first two weeks free. And now back to the show. So in the mornings, one of the things people ask a lot when we talk about this devotional time with God, mm-hmm. this personal time, there's two questions. One is, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. And the other is, can you do it at night? Well, you can. So the second the second question is faster. Yes. Sure. <laughs> you Anytime. can do whatever you want. Yeah. Right. I just find you for me, you, mornings <laughs> is like, yeah. it sets up my day. If I can yes. find that 30 minutes in the morning versus 30 minutes at night. But I'm also like, I think God wants to spend time with you whenever you want to. I totally agree with you. And and so, um, you know, I am of that, you do you, and yeah. that's yeah. that's great. The reason why I make the case for the morning is that there is a, there's sort of an afterglow of devotional time. And by that's the way, beautiful. I would say the same thing is true of exercise. Yeah. You have those endorphins, but, um, you know, True for both, but in different ways and to different degrees. So I'm not equating the two, but uh, but it, I would also make the case for morning exercise. Okay. Um, but there's an afterglow that comes with devotional time that I am just kinder, I am wiser, I am better at discerning God's voice the closer I am to devotional time. So for me, I feel like, why waste that during sleeping, (laughs) you know? Um, So why not have that extra wisdom or help or peace or connection with God as I go through and make conscious decisions throughout my day? Mm. Whereas if I'm sleeping, then for me, you know, I'm sort of on autopilot. I don't have yeah. to. I don't have to have a lot of discernment to right, fall asleep. Right, right. Like I can do that. I've been Same. doing that my whole life. Yeah. So for me, I get more out of it if I do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but same thing with exercise as a side note, you can exercise whenever, but I feel great um, for the you know eight or 10 hours after I exercise. So why not be awake for that? Mm-hmm. That's my feeling. Mm-hmm. So anything important that I want to do, I do in the morning because yeah. I want to enjoy the benefits. So what does your devotional time look like? Do you read a book? Do you read your Bible? Do you journal? Yeah, it, it, it really varies. My devotional time varies. And I have different devotional sort of tracks going. Yeah. Um, so I I have kind of three different things that I do. One is I usually have sort of an area of special interest or growth that I'm always reading about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Bible. So for instance, for the past few years, that has been food and how God is using food in our lives. So I will read um, sections of the Bible Mm -hmm. related to a topic that I find interesting and a personal growth area. The second thing that I always have sort of going in my track, the second track I always have going is I'm always reading the Bible like through like a like through a U version through an oh, app sure. where yeah. it's like you know read the Bible like in a year or whatever yep. but I don't necessarily do it in a year I just I always have that I'm always tracking on that right. so I'll read a chapter or two of that to yeah. kind of keep that going but that will be unrelated to anything yeah the other thing that I do is I will often have a 
devotion that mm-hmm. I'm working through. Mm-hmm. So I will pop in and do that. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth thing I do is I'm usually part of a Bible study. Oh, cool. So they always have their things that they're looking right. at. So I'll kind of, I'll be, you know, like we just did. You're doing your Beth Moore homework. Yeah. Well, yes. Your, yeah. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so we're doing, yes. Like doing whatever the homework is or yeah. whatever that is. So that's sort of the fourth track. I don't do all four every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I travel, that might look different. Yep. Um, I do travel with my big, huge pink Bible. Which I is, travel with my big oh, Bible and, too. And I, I need the big one and I need yep. it to, I, I just, I, I want I want it all in one place. Yep. Um, I want to read the Bible from the last place I read the Bible where I have those last notes. So I don't do all four every day. I usually do two of those four, mm. and it kind of depends on what mood I'm in. Yeah. But those are sort of the – I always have those four That's tracks brilliant. going. Yeah. It's sort of like people have like four books going, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and then they pick up and they yep. read. That's not me, but yeah. – um, <laughs> But you got but the I, tracks going I have four devotional tracks, yeah. and I um, – but I have to do at least one of those. Man, at brilliant. least one of those. Yeah. I have to. I just love it. I love – thank you for sharing that with us because I think one of the reasons we stall out on doing those things is because we don't know if we're doing the, quote, right thing. So then when we yes. get to hear all these different people and what their devotions look like and what hearing God looks like for them, no matter where you are in your faith journey, you can go – Oh, I there's an app I can read you version and it'll oh okay yeah, and it'll and read it, to you it'll read uh, yeah you can that's even what put I do it on. I'm putting my makeup on every day I listen to the um, audio book of the Bible in chronological order yes and so you can, yes every day yep that's and what you I can do. just listen to a little bit yeah um, I'm gonna add a, a fifth thing that I do which doesn't you replace fancy, Melissa well you know it's sort of a four B okay um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even though because it doesn't replace any of my other uh-huh. devotional stuff but the other thing I love to do is I love to have some uh, Christian author, uh, some books by Christian authors. Sure. Um, and I'm thinking of, for instance, your book or oh, um, uh, I loved uh, Present Over Perfect by oh, Shauna. Oh, yeah, yeah, Shauna, yeah. So good. So, um, good. so after I do my devotional, if it's like a weekend or if I can, I love to then just read someone else's Christian book. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a fun little treat, sort of a in between the 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 work and thinking and marinating in God's word into like my normal life of like, oh, I got to go take the kids to school yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah, making yeah, that yeah. up. My kids ride their bike to school. But <laughs> um, I take them nowhere now. Um, no, I'm kidding. But, um, but I do love that. So I always have like a like a like what I call like, like a fun Christian yeah. book that I'm kind of reading. Yeah. Um, and is Tasting Grace your first one you've written like that? You yeah. So books. Tasting Grace is is my so first it's the one that can sit with my us. first morning book. Yeah. <laughs> this is like my morning. This the rest is like are like lunch book. and dinner books. And yes. Well, or those are like or even even evening books or what, yeah. I mean whatever people yeah, yeah. read at different times. Yeah. But I love morning reading. I love reading with coffee, and I don't like yeah. coffee at night. Okay. So I kind of have to read in the morning. Right. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so one of the things I loved about Tasting Grace, because while I do have a pretty long, extensive history with food issues, I also am kind of a foodie. Like, I love beautiful food. I'm an Enneagram 7, so I love experiences. I want to, like, I want to order everything on a menu and try everything. That's what I made. My friends and I went to Loveless Cafe. While you are in town, you should maybe try to get to Loveless Cafe. Oh, I oh I saw your post on Loveless okay, Cafe. Okay, good, good, good. I actually... I Googled it to see. I was like, how far is it from there? Can we go and the whatever? And I was like, yeah. okay, that's, it's, it's a little bit it's out. A little bit. Yeah, 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 it's about 25 but, minutes out of town. Yeah. But anyway. when you go, you're like, just let us try everything. Yeah. But you, one of my favorite chapters in the book that you wrote about was about 
what how foodie culture has changed and mm-hmm. how I, I want to read the the subtitle of the chapter. Foodie culture may be chipping away at God's food culture. Melissa, tell me what you're talking about. Oh. I'll preface all of this by saying <laughs> You're like, Annie, I, you really went to the hard one. Yeah. <laughs> I I love food as art. Yeah. And I love chefs. And some of my best friends are yeah. restaurant chefs and they are amazing. I, I talk about Richard Blaze. In yes, Tasting I love Grace. Richard Blaze. Do you know Artie too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Artie is one of my like people. I, know. I love Artie. I Love I her. love Artie so much. Parenthetically, yeah. I, Artie and I have been tight friends since the day she was on Food Network Star. Um, and we actually, after she won Food Network Star, but wasn't you know, out as yes, the winner yes. of Food Network Star, we both were in Atlantic City and we met like in oh, secret. like a rendezvous. Yeah, a we had like a secret rendezvous. meeting <laughs> where like she took the elevator up and I took the elevator up at separate times oh, so I that we could it. get together and like talk yes. in, in private. And she's just been such a gift. It's, she is. Uh, Artie is, is the person that even when I was writing Tasting Grace and, yeah. you know, struggling through that, that, you know, that I can call her and we will pray on the phone together. Yes. And yes. in everything from you know, we've called each other and prayed together and in like the, you know, the, the chop dressing room. Sure. Right. To, you know, I mean, I've called her from, you know, from the, the parking lot of like a big meeting where I'll just, can we just pray before we go in or, you know, I mean, like, and, and I will do the same for her. So we, I just, so yes, I I love Artie. I love love Richard Blaze. I'm a fan of his work. I know like real life friendship stories via Artie, yes. which is how I got there. Yeah. yeah so yeah. anyway, so I, yes, yeah, so I adore about Artie. Richard Blaze. Okay. So, so Richard, who is a fan, I mean, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Richard is a genius with yeah. food where I, I step back and think I just need to drink in his gift and mm-hmm. his artistry. Yeah. Um, and yet what I also just love about Richard is he is so unimpressed with, with, his his own talent. Yeah. He's just he's as he's down just to ready earth. to make the next oh, thing. Oh, he's just yeah. he's amazing. I just love him. But um when I watch Richard in the kitchen, I I stand back and I'm in awe of this God-given gift. Mm-hmm. I love restaurant chefs. I think what is tricky and is not their fault is that society has become so obsessed with um, restaurant chefs. Yeah. We've created this new category of celebrity chefs, yes. which by the way, I realize the irony of me sort of being lumped into it. Well, um, the same things happen for Christians. Yeah. Right. 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 So right. But, it, it's but it's true. all Equally it, as weird. It's true. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right? true. And, and when we start to, um, there are all sorts of problems, right? When we put anybody on a pedestal yeah. of any sort, yep. you know, or anything on a pedestal, when we put creation above the creator, that has its own Come problems. On, yes. But when, when it comes to uh, foodie culture, um, we have created this world where the restaurant chef um, has become the, if, if not the only voice, certainly the most valued voice in food. Mm. So we have made restaurant-worthy meals and fancy plating and swooshes sort of the um, the standard by which a a home cook measures herself yeah. or himself. Yeah. And I think that's where it becomes a little bit dangerous is mm. where we start 
making that artistry our litmus for whether we are succeeding or failing in the kitchen. Uh, and and so Right, because we're looking at everybody else's brunch pictures. Well, that's exactly right. And, and my eggs don't look like that. I mean, let's like, you know, let's let's talk about the term food porn. Well, right, not. right. Actually, right. let's not. No, you can't. Right? But <laughs> you know, I mean, that says it all. Yes. Right? Yes. So when we remove the um the joy and connectedness that comes from the work, the worthy work of putting a meal on the table for our family every yeah. single night. And we say that we must make it with fancy swooshes and we must put filters on it and it has to be Instagram worthy or restaurant worthy. Yeah. We are in the language of divisiveness, which by the oh, way- Which is separating. It's separating. <gasps> and, Melissa. And, and, and by the way, artists like Richard Blaze never used that separating language. Right. They're just sharing their genius and yes. their art and their wonderfulness. So society is bringing in this half-truth, yep. which is that their food is beautiful. It's meant to be shared. Restaurants are a wonderful place to go and, and meet with friends. And what, There's so much good there. And and we co-op that small truth and turn it into, oh, I feel like crap because this my meatloaf does not look yep. like something I'd put yes. on Instagram. There's the problem. The yeah. problem is is that meatloaf is wonderful, right. and and so is Richard Blaze's fancy plating. Yes. Both of those are wonderful, and 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 we're missing that. We are missing out on the joy that I think God wants us to have in food. So who else would you celebrate I, up next to the celebrity chefs when it comes to making a meal? Who else would you go, okay, if I could have an entire Instagram account just to celebrating people who make a meal happen, who else are you going to celebrate besides the Richard Blazes? Well, listen, um, any, anybody who's dealing with yeah, food, so like we moms, all are, all of us. And everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The mom putting a dinner on the table, you know, every day at six o'clock, the dad putting dinner on the yep. table every six o'clock. And you know what? I'll tell you what, it's not even the dinner on the table that they go into the kitchen and spend an hour cooking. It is also for, you know, the, the mom or the dad who works three jobs, swings by yeah. and gets a rotisserie chicken and puts it out there and gets out the lettuce and, you know, and opens up a, you know, a can of corn and serves it to their family, whatever it is. Yep. Um, the the point is, let's celebrate the food we eat 99% of the time, not just the 1% of going and witnessing beautiful artistry, mm. which I love. I, I love that artistry. Yep. But that is not 90% or 99%. Whatever. It's not the majority of mm -hmm. how we eat food mm -hmm. and how we deal with food. And it is not the majority of how God relates to us through food. Yeah. So when we ignore food and God and we just say, well, let's let's just talk about food as art, which is a valuable thing, but it's not everything. Right. We're missing out on what God gave us food for, right. which is to bring us together, to bring us closer to him, to bring us into worthy work, mm -hmm. to bring us into patience, to invite us into mm, all these into wonderful patience. things. Yeah. Hold on. Let me find that chapter because you write about that. I do. There's right. A, yeah. Yes. Rethinking quick tip recipe shortcuts and invitation to patience. So I'll tell people, because I'm not going to make you talk about your own book a ton, but Tasting Grace, each chapter is an invitation to something. It's it's a way that food invites us in. And one of the invitations you gave us was into patience. 
Right. And we think of patience as being kind of like something we don't want to be invited into. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, we're like, I don't want to wait. No, but we got to Why would hurry. I want to do that? Right. <laughs> In fact, maybe I won't even read that chapter. <laughs> right. Yeah, everybody's like, I'm skipping that one. I don't have time. <laughs> right. It's like they say, like, never pray for patience because right. you might get what you pray right. for. But the, the good news is that we are invited into these things yeah. like patience, even things we think we don't want because they actually do deliver God's best for us. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Will I you know. Tell, can you tell the story about Philippe and about Ratatouille? Oh, Ratatouille. France. Yeah, and living in France. Well, I, I write about um, how living in France changed the way I eat and, and introduced this type A American, corporate America personality that I am. Right into a new way of thinking about food. And and that happened both living in Paris, where I worked, and also then dating and eventually marrying Philippe, who is yeah. from the south of France, yep. which takes French cuisine and French patience into a whole new level yeah. of, of um, yeah, it's just, it's just a whole new level over, over Paris. And um, Philippe's mom, yeah. Muriel, my mother-in-law, um, she really introduced me into the patience of of food and introduced me into the patience of not only sitting around the table, which is part of um, that food conversation. Right. By the way, sitting around the table has been the the bulk of the Christian conversation about food for a very long time. Right. You know, bring people around the table. Food brings people together. And that is great, but that is only part of yes. God's way of yes. using food with us. And yes. that's 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 why I wrote Tasting Graces to explore that and other ways. Yeah. Um, but one of the um gifts that I received from my mother-in-law was um, a lesson in how to make a perfect ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Um, and a ratatouille is a, um, it's a typical French or Mediterranean dish um, with vegetables that we sometimes make in the U.S., but apparently we make in the U.S. all wrong. <laughs> and I didn't realize it until I, um, until I um, had my lesson with my French mother-in-law, who is from the south of France. And she told me that the secret to a good ratatouille is that all of the vegetables must be cooked separately and then combined so that the flavors would each stand on their own. Which takes so long. Uh, it takes so long. <laughs> and not only must they be cooked separately, but in a specific order in order to build the flavors correctly. Because oh you're going to cook them separately, but in the same pan. Oh, yeah. by the way, yes, in the same pan. Yeah. So you can't just get out a bunch of pans. You got, you got to use the same pan. And I will, I'll tell you the order. Yes. Um, so, and I remember it by um, calling it easy pot, like an easy pot of ratatouille. So it's eggplant, zucchini, peppers, onions, tomatoes. So that's the order. Eggplant, zucchini. Eggplant, zucchini. Pepper, pepper, onion, onion, tomatoes. Um, And then you also add in garlic, just in case anyone's like writing this down as a recipe. what? Yeah, and a little (laughs) olive oil. Um, Maybe some thyme if you want. I'm just, you know, you do you. (laughs) This is why you're the chef. You're like, also I throw in thyme and I'm like, tell me exactly what Yes, yes, that that wasn't a full recipe. That was just an acronym. Help me out. Buy her cookbook, you guys. Just get a cookbook, you'll get it. Um, so, but to do that in order and to, to cook each vegetable individually so it doesn't lose its place in the overall dish, yeah. there's such beauty in that, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> that we want to honor each 
ingredient that God gave us and let it have its place and to build the flavors together and do them in order, that takes an amount of patience I didn't know that I had. Mm. And maybe Does it pay off? Did it make the difference? Well, so yeah, so I will tell you, I had every intention of like, you know, moving it along when I made it myself. And I will tell you, I I make it always in a word. I, I make it, I make it Muriel's way. It's yeah. been almost 15 years or more than that. I guess 15 years, a uh, little longer. But my point is, do I even want to find out? I don't know. Um that's so the I just question. make it. You that's know? the question. Well, can, do can we, we just, why do we even have to know? Can we just slow down anyway? Right. Like, can we? Not all the time. I get it. Life's busy. But can we find the worthiness in slowing down just a little bit to make each vegetable have its place? Like, can we do that? Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah. And I think we can. That feels really good. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really good correction. It doesn't matter if it tastes better. What if we just slow down because it's right? Well, and, and, and what if, what if the food is meant to slow us down Mm. a little bit? Mm -hmm. Maybe we are supposed to let the stew stew for a few hours. Maybe we are meant to wait for the zucchini to grow and to garden. And, you know, maybe we aren't meant to have peach pie in January. Like maybe, maybe we are getting God's best if we lean into the patience that Mm. his food is inviting us into. Is that, I mean, is that possible? And I I think it might be. Yeah. I I think seasonal eating is so challenging to figure out how, how can we figure out how to do that really well? Well, there's, there's good news in seasonal eating for, for most most of us who live in America and shop at a grocery store, what what is available abundantly tends to be what's in season. Ah, and what's available abundantly is cheaper. Yeah. Um, so the good news is seasonal eating is also going to save you money. Yes. But it does mean that we can't, you know, show up at wherever we get our, our food with this list of, but I must have this. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've got to lean a little bit into the ingredients mm-hmm. and lean a little bit into um, God's abundance. And um, this this a little bit gets at what I, I talk a little bit in Tasting Grace about switching our posture from one of taking yes. from our earth, but one to one of receiving. And when we are receiving the gifts oh, from God, yeah. instead of taking it, just changes it shifts our our thinking and it shifts our hearts into a place of gratitude and and i think that god's food system invites us into that and yeah. we've a little bit ignored it and sort of plowed through with our downloaded recipes of yeah but i want peach pie and today's mm-hmm. the day i don't care mm-hmm. if it's in season and that's that's taking um, instead of receiving and receiving is really coming from a place of gratitude, yeah, uh, not from a place of entitlement. Yeah. Um, so that's really beautiful. That's a great thought that we're, we get to receive. I mean, you're buying your groceries, <gasps> but when you walk through, are you kind of a edge of the grocery store shopper? Absolutely. I mean, listen, yeah. edge of the grocery store. And, and you're talking about how the fact that most, most, uh, fresh, um, ingredients are in the edge of the grocery yeah. store, whereas more processed is in. Yeah, is and in there's the a whole center. chapter on processed foods in your yes. book too. That's great. and and to be clear, um, my job is not to go out and wag a finger in everyone's face and and shame everyone into sure, buying fresh sure, food. Sure. For sure not. You know, listen, uh, 
if you want potato chips and you're craving yeah. potato chips, you you know hamburger you, you helper, go, go for it. You're welcome. Yeah, I, it's it's really a sense of considering how God is bringing us food and stepping into that rather than us just mindlessly plowing forth with our own agenda mm-hmm. and you know and 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 living this food narrative that has i think meandered so far away from what god yes. intended food it for feels us like it. it feels it feels like it to me yeah. and 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 i mean that as a woman and i mean that as um a grown-up child of someone on, you know, food assistance yeah. and as someone who works in the food business. Yeah. So I think I'm plugged into what, what yeah. we're doing and and I feel like we're pretty far from from the good news yeah. of food. Yeah. I'd love for you to talk for just a second about what freedom really looks like with food because I don't think freedom is saying you can't eat processed foods and you have to stay on the edge of the grocery store. Mm-hmm. But freedom also isn't eat whatever you want, whenever you want. It has Mm -hmm. to be more thoughtful than that. What do you see as, especially for people of faith, what does it look like to be free when you're eating? Mm. I I love that because the the word freedom implies, and I think rightfully so, that there's such good news about food. Mm -hmm. When When we look at how God used food in the Bible, the news is is all good. I mean yeah. it really is. So there there is freedom. It's not we're not we're not the food police. The good news about food with God is that it's not a story of shame and guilt. Mm. And so all of these societal messages that are out there if we choose to look past them and dig into what God intended food to be, it's a really welcoming and love-filled place. Mm. You mentioned that it's it's not about us not being able to ever have processed food, or it's not about um, shaming using processed food, because listen, let's not forget, not everybody has easy access to fresh food right. and farmer's markets and, right. and whatever. You know, the truth of the matter is that if you have to have a certain income level or live in a certain part of this world or country to um, to eat a certain way, then that, by definition, is food elitism. Yeah. Right. And that's food elitism is not is not part of God's story. Right. Um, God God isn't the source of shame and, and processed guilt. food in the when it started was to help us. Be That's able right. to eat things that might not last as long, and I mean, it was a it was a problem solver. That well, that's exactly beginning. right. Processed food came in because we we needed food to last longer. Yeah. We needed to feed more people, mm-hmm. um, and we also we were a weary, tired bunch in yeah. the fifties, yeah. right? And if someone is going to give us back a little bit of time, well, yes. then great, we can go Put play those biscuits in a can, and I will have friends again. That's yeah. right. Yes, yes. Now, so there's. Good, yeah. right? Good intention yeah. And, yeah. and good stuff happening. But as we tend to do in society, we can take some of those good intentions and morph them into some half truths, mm. and that we um, that we need to have that time back because we are going to do something valuable with it when most of us are actually using 
that for screen time. Yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that if, if you're using screen time for more than 30 minutes a day, you have, that's what you've done with your time back from buying processed food. Oh boy. That, right. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm yeah. saying this as somebody who does that too. Yep. That's just the reality. Yep. So just because things start out with good intentions doesn't mean that that's the way we're living with them now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we're, without getting too far down that path of, you know, what are we doing to our earth and how are we mm. how are we managing creation care and what does that mean when we're trying to increase, you know, production and and you know, stripping out the nutrients of the soil and, you know, putting things back. I mean, so there's there are ways of going about increasing yield that are um, more honoring to uh, God's creation than right. probably um, more receiving than taking. Yes, more yeah. receiving than taking, okay. um, and less profit-driven and less mm. short-term thinking than long-term thinking. So there are lo- lots of issues come up when we sort of talk about this, yeah. um, you know, this um, this topic. But how we're eating and the context in which we are eating, let's just say the potato chips uh-huh. or you know canned food or whatever, you know. All of that matters, right? And and do I think it can be just as much of a blessing to open up a can of corn as it is to go out into your backyard to the corn stalk you grew yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. God is so full of grace and beauty that we can receive in gratitude even the simplest craziest, most processed, but, you know, all, all of that yeah. can be a blessing. Um, so I think it really comes down to us being discerning and mindful. Mm. When we plow through our lives without stopping to think about how does God want us to receive food and what does that mean mm. um, across the entire food life cycle, yeah. right? From soil to you know, to the growing, to the delivering, to the recipes, to the serving, to the cooking, to the cleaning up after people leave, like all of that. What does that mean? How do I behave across that food life cycle, across that food life cycle? I think we want to be mindful and aware and look to God to sort of say, listen, what, what would not only please God, but I'm hoping... I'm being super clear about the message that how can we feel our best by getting God's best? Yeah. This is all good news for us yes. because we're drawn into God's love. We're drawn into God's best. This isn't waggy finger, you should do this because if not, you're doing something wrong. No, it's just saying, oh, wow, we're invited into God's love and there's yeah. so much goodness and we're we're listening to messages that make us feel crummy mm. and we don't have to feel crummy anymore. Yes. That's what the message is. That's the joy. That's the grace that's in tasting grace is there's so much goodness that can come from food. Food is a gift from God and we're missing out a little bit. I think we're missing out. And I think there's an invitation for us to draw in and and it's good news. It's yeah. not shame news. It's good news. Yes. Girl. Okay. Pass the plates, everybody. We're going to eat together. We're going to do it. I love it. And Melissa, this book comes out this week. It's coming out this yes, week. Yes. It comes out this week. That's I'm, amazing. I'm, I'm really excited. When I first got the first box of books that came to the house, I opened it up and I was teary-eyed. 
Um, and I said to my husband, this is the book that no one asked me to write. Mm. And wow. and that it no one but God, right? Yes. Because this this is the book that was in my heart that I just thought I between you and me, God, I have to write it. This was the book that I ended up finally just saying, write it even if it's imperfect. Because every time I would hit turbulence on an airplane, I don't like to fly. Yeah. Uh, great job for someone who doesn't like to fly. Right. <laughs> every time I would hit turbulence in an airplane. I would always think about my kids, you know, yeah. like, ah, oh, you know, like that's just where my mind goes. Yep. But I also started to think, oh, I haven't written the book. Like wow. I started having this sense of I can't, oh I can't, I can't be done because yes. I need to write the book. And and that's when I thought, okay, you know I what? I don't out. it doesn't have to be perfect. Yes. Um, I even thought it doesn't even have to be good. I yeah. just have to show up. I just have to show up to God. Yes. So this was the book that no one but God asked me to write. Ugh, so well, I'm thrilled I'm that it's I'm very out. thankful it exists. I can't wait for everybody to get to read it. And I actually next week leave on a tour called Come to the Table, where one of the things we we're talking about is what does it look like to get everybody at the table and to feed them well and to just be in community. Yes. So this feels like a good theme for what's going on right now. Okay, we have to ask you one more question. Yep. We've already taken plenty of your time. Thank you, by the way, for doing this. No, thank you I for having me. I am such a fan. It, this has been like drinking from a fire hose that I've been like dreaming of for a while. So I am, and, and as a person who loves food and wrestles with food and can hold both of those things at the same time, tasting grace is a real gift. So thank you. Thank I am you. really, really grateful. Um, okay, the last question we always ask, because the show's called That Sounds Fun, Melissa, tell me what you do for fun. Mm. Uh, this this one's easy. Oh, good. I love going to Broadway shows. <gasps> oh, let's go. Tell me your favorites. Uh, oh, I, I, well, the, see, that's that's the tricky part. All is, of them. You, no, it's, no, not all of them. Okay. Um, but different shows for different things. Okay. Right? Different shows for different things. Um. But I'm going to New York day after tomorrow. Yes. We're there for three days, um, actually two and a half days, and we're seeing three shows. Yes, yeah. that's what I do too. So what are you I seeing? Just, um, so we're seeing Mean Girls. Yes. We're seeing Town. Yes. And then the third one, I haven't decided if I'm going to see Dear Evan Hansen again. Uh, we haven't decided. Okay. I haven't decided. But I'm- Because you know one of our very best friends of the show is Glenda on in Wicked. No, oh, I didn't know that. I yes. love Wicked. I so love if you want to go see Wicked, oh, we I should just Wicked. tell Jenna Claire. She would love to meet oh, you. I, well, then so to, to further we'll that conversation. Yes. yes I've, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it, I think, four times. Oh, okay. Um, well, if you oh, want to see another oh, one. Oh, I see shows multiple times. I, yes. I, I love Broadway shows. In why? Fact, Tell me why. For, um, so for someone who hasn't ever okay. seen one, what is the deal? Wait, you've never? Oh, you've no, seen it. I was girl. like, wait, what? Listen, what? No. Okay, I'm like, wait. No, okay. I'm a disaster about um, it. I love it yes. so much. Um, here's here's why I love I love Broadway shows, and I love I love the ballet too. I love live performance. Yes. I I grew up as a performer, and there's nothing like stage and live performance because. It is artistry in motion and watching the beauty yeah. of people with talent being willing to go out there night after night and give you their all. Yes. I, I As I'm saying this, I can feel that I'm getting teary-eyed. I, I don't think I've ever seen a live show that hasn't brought me to tears, even Same. at least small tears, Same. because the beauty of art and people with with bringing in what, what God gave them, you, what they give you from it's stage. so generous. It's uh, it's so generous. It's so generous, and to receive that generosity, 
Melissa, it that is the exact my word. My friend Gregory Trico is uh, in Hamilton. And after I saw him, I, I saw him as Aaron Burr. He plays a couple of different guys. The first time I saw him as Aaron Burr, I was like, I, Trico, I don't know how to tell you how generous that felt. It was, it felt like you gave me everything. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And yeah. that's how I feel with Jenna Claire too. When she's Glenda, I just cry. I mean, the, it's just, it's, it's the, incredible. The generosity. Yes. Blows my mind. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm in the presence of something holy. Yes. I, I really do. Yes. And, um, Girl, we could have a time in New York City, you and I. Oh, I, I, I will go anytime, anywhere. Okay. I just was saying to my husband. Well, I, I people on my Instagram, they they yeah. know that I consider myself someone who has really good Broadway karma. Yeah, like I just have really good Broadway karma. Yeah. and I just was saying to my husband the other day um, that I realized I don't know that I have really good Broadway karma as much as I will work every angle mm. to go and see the shows that I want to see. Yes. I think it's just good old-fashioned hard work. It's hard work. It is <laughs> hard work, but I'm willing to do it because I realize I will spend hours That's right. like searching out and figuring out the best way and yeah. whatever and the dates and the what. And I just, I, it's, it's holy work for me. Yeah. You know, there's so much holy work that just happens in food, in Broadway, in whatever we're doing. I used to work in finance and there's holy work in that. Yeah. There's so much beauty out there. If we just look around at people who care a lot about the work they're doing yeah. and then they're doing it. And that, that's holy. Yeah. Girl. Yes. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk no. about? No. Other than when we're going to New York together. Right? Okay. How are we going to go to all these shows? Yeah, my friend Jonathan Merritt that lives up there. I mean, we always try to see shows that we don't know. Because it's like, I, I just want to, I want to see ones I love. And I want to go yeah. back. But then also, like, what's the yes. magic that we don't know? I know. And and I also, I don't like to read up on the show so that I don't know what they're all about. Yes. Um, I will say, parenthetically, I, I would, I will, I saw... Hamilton twice for this very reason because I did not I mean obviously I knew what it was about Hamilton right yes. but I would say that is one of the few shows I would say to people it's such a fire hose of artistry yes. that if you can read up on it a little bit before that frees you up to enjoy and receive a little bit better yeah. but that is the only show that I would say I think you will enjoy it more if you've read up on it yes. other than that I just want to show up, show up. Yes. and and I'm I am all yours yeah. I am <laughs> like I'm all way. yours don't you dare open up a candy around me because I will give you the eye <laughs> that's right like no I am there that's right I am there for it that's what it said mm. at the start of Wicked they say turn your phones off and unwrap your candy unwrap your candies <laughs> like what are, yeah yes yeah. yes okay yeah. well if you want to get, we'll, I mean, we'll talk about this, but if you okay, want to go yeah. to Wicked Weekend, I mean, okay. you, we still, I have to buy my tickets too, but you can for sure, I would love oh. to connect you with Jenna Claire. Oh. She would love you. Well, yeah, yes. Um, anyway, well, thank Melissa, you. thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it so much. I can't I wait for all of our you. friends to read Tasting Grace and just experience it like I've gotten to. So I'm so glad we thank finally you. met. I know, it's like finally I'm, real. I'm so like, I'm a, like, I'm like the secret, like, fangirl. Um, anyway, oh, wow. so mutual. Thank you. I'm not so secret. You guys, don't you love her? Oh my gosh. I just feel like we just got the tip of the iceberg of the wisdom that lives in her. I'm just so grateful. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of Tasting Grace today. It's out this week. And you're probably going to see Melissa all over the place in the next couple of weeks as this book comes out. And you can be like, yeah, yeah, we're friends with her. She was on Annie's show. So make sure you follow her on Instagram, Twitter, all the places, and tell her thanks for being on the show and how much her conversation mattered to you. 
Also, if you enjoyed this conversation with Melissa, we have a couple of other foodie-centric ones I think you'd really like. Corey Barrett, Food Network champion of the Spring Baking Championship, was on in June. So you could go hear that one. We also have Margaret Feinberg this year, who had a new book come out called Taste and See, that her episode is excellent. And of course, there's episodes with my friend Danielle Walker, who, as you know, I go on tour with next week, the Come to the Table Tour. Danielle, Angie, and I head out on a bus a week from today, and I'm really excited. So if you love talking about foodie things, those are some episodes we've already got for you that I think you're really going to like. And if you have other people in this genre that you'd love to see on the show, just let me know. Of course, Artie is coming up, as you can imagine, in the very near future. But we've also always got space for new friends. So if you think of other people you'd like to hear on the show from Food Network or a favorite chef or someone in that genre, just let me know. We can always, they can always say no, right? We can ask. Hey, if you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, F as in foodie. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places, wherever you need to find me. That is how you can find me. And if you get a chance to rate and review the show, that would mean the world. So I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. And we will see you back here on Monday with my friend, one of your favorite pastors, I bet. One of my favorite pastors, Mr. David Platt. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend.